What's up, you guys? This is a special edition of the podcast because I forgot to post this like months ago. So it just got lost in my phone, in my files. So here is episode 392 from like July about functional anatomy. Here we go. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to another episode of Cut the Shit, Get Fit. I am your lovely host, Rafael Matuszewski. And today is another day for me to ramble on about fitness shit and get you going through the week, the day, and everything else in between. All right, so today, and I apologize, I keep forgetting to check the top cities, so maybe I'll just do a shout out on my Facebook anyway. We're going to talk about some more functional anatomy because on my Facebook I've been posting a lot about certain muscles that play huge roles in how our body, body, body moves in a functional manner, you know? Like, before in anatomy classes, cadavers, and things like that, a lot of times um, when they wanted to look at the function of the muscle, so an example is like the bicep, they would cut open the cadaver, take away all the fascia, take away all the connective tissue, take away all the crap that is layered on top and in between and whatever it is around the bicep in order to move it. So if you imagine if you had a body just lying there with their arms straight out by its side, they would take a little thing to pull the arm to show that the bicep was contracting like a bicep curl, right? And they would just pull that string back and forth and they're like, oh, that's what the bicep does. But your arm, like your bicep that crosses over from the shoulder joint and the elbow joint, can do a lot of things right not only does it do bicep curls from like a lying anatomical position but you can put your shoulder into forward flexion so if you had your arm out in front of you and then also curl you can also bring it up towards the ceiling and also curl right you can have your arm out to the side and also curl you can go into so many different positions with the forearm itself and pronation and supination while doing curls and all those different things so really functional anatomy is not just one motion it's not just one movement that an exercise can do your body can do a lot of different motions but then if you go within the construct of what exercise is right which are movements that were created say 40 years ago when they first started not even probably 40 years ago, probably 60 or 80 years ago, when they first started looking at movements and muscles and how things like that are connected together, right? So we're kind of leaving a lot on the table when it comes to traditional exercise. And this is where, like, again, I'm biased, but I feel like kin stretch and the FRC principles fit here really, really well. So it doesn't mean that you should stop doing bicep curls and crap like that. I'm just saying that you need to think that our bodies are designed to do more than just bicep curls but if you restrict the you know potential that our bodies can do 
then you leave a lot of stuff on the table, a lot of stuff that can go wrong, and then this is where I think leads to injury, right? So one of the muscles that I wrote about, I think this morning or yesterday morning, I can't remember what day it is anymore, is the serratus anterior. So when you look up the serratus anterior anterior online or anything like that, anatomy books, you know, you'll know that it's kind of on the side of your rib cage and when you're super lean and jacked like Hugh Jackman and Wolverine, you'll be able to see those bad boys pop out. A good functioning um, serratus anterior allows movement of the scapula going forward. So if I brought my arm in front of me and started going as far forward as possible with my shoulder blade, that's on my serratus anterior. So if you think about people doing like scapular push-ups, that's serratus work right there, right? In order for my shoulder blade to do that, that muscle has to function properly. And then allowing the shoulder blade to move forward like that in that protracted position, it also laterally glides to the side. When that happens, that allows your arm to go completely overhead to do things like overhead pressing, throw a ball, throw a baseball, like things like that. So that serratus anterior is actually really, really, really important. When that thing doesn't function the way it should, bad things happen like people get tight necks, people have rotator cuff issues, people can get numbness going down their arm. People can also have bad circulation from that and things like that. So when you think of it that way, this little muscle is very vital to a lot of things. And it's hard to say like, do this one exercise and your serratus anterior is gonna work like a charm. It's tough to say that because everyone's a little bit different. We don't know everyone's history that's listening that might be causing that serratus to not be working properly. Like maybe some people have some mechanical or neurological tension in their body that's preventing their arm to go forward or have that scapular glide. Or maybe someone has so much laxity in their shoulder joint that the serratus can't actually control and it's all over the place. Or maybe someone doesn't have correct breathing patterns that is preventing the serratus from activating the way it should, right? There's a lot of things that influence each other. And this is what goes back to my first point about the whole idea of um, the bicep is more than just curls and crap like that. Like it can move and influence so many other joints and muscles that require that uh, positioning. So that being said, the serratus can be influenced by so many other things, right? So this is where I kind of go back, like if you are working with a trainer and they haven't assessed you from the very beginning without any kind of like movement, you know, assessment or anything like that, they're leaving a lot on the table that they don't know about your body, right? That's like going to a doctor and they don't look at your charts at all and then just start prescribing you shit, you know? Or better yet, going to a doctor, not telling them your symptoms, and then they write you a prescription, right? And this is where there's a lot of gray area because it's like 
we all know exercise is good for you, right? And it's going to show some benefit. You going to the doctor and then prescribing a painkiller that's a low-level entry one to help you with your issue is probably going to help you with whatever issue you have without even explaining it. But you don't know if that medication, that drug, is going to contradict you on other medications or it's going to make your stomach feel like shit and you start barfing and shitting yourself all day. So exercise is kind of the same thing. Like we all know, squats and lunges and mountain climbers and burpees are exercises. They make you sweat. They make you, you know, move. They make you supposedly feel better and you'll get the benefits of exercise on a cellular level and all that. But what if you have a weird hip of some sort and squats, lunges, and burpees hurt them, right? So this is why it's so vital to have an assessment beforehand to figure out why your body moves a certain way. Again, you can only do so much online, but if you're a good practitioner, a good trainer that has a lot of rehab experience, aka like me, you we can try to actually pinpoint what it is, right? And a lot of times, training's not that complicated. Does this movement hurt? Yes, don't do this movement, do this instead. Does that feel better? Yes, okay, we're gonna do it this way. Like, that's all it really is, right? So, considering that serratus, um, concept I can do scapular push-ups say I'm in a bird dog position hands and knees and I'm doing scapular push-ups and I notice the person oh my camera tilted forward um, can retract meaning squeezing their shoulder blades together no problem but the moment they try to protract they actually can't move their shoulders in front of them and they end up rounding their entire back Right? That tells me most likely their serratus is not moving properly. But then, say I get them standing and do scapular cars and they have a better understanding of how to move their shoulder blades into retraction. Right? Pretty much two of the same movements, just a little bit different, but now I have more bang for my buck when it comes to creating more adaptable tissue surrounding the shoulder and the um, scapula that is influenced by the um, serratus. So now I'm going to gear towards using um, exercises like scapular cars to get that thing moving the way it's designed. Now the other thing that I didn't bring up is that the serratus is actually um, also influences the rotator cuff. So if you look at the dynamic of how the rotator cuff works and what it's responsible to do, the serratus plays a huge role in allowing those tissues surrounding the, uh, that consists of the rotator cuff vastly, right? So now you see how these things connect in our body so much, and this is why when you start isolating muscles, um, sometimes it's not the best approach when it comes to training. So, long story short, look at the body as one unit. Look at the body as not segmented parts, but one part influences the other. If one part is stronger or more flexible, whatever you want to 
use, then it's going to have kind of a waterfall effect and it's going to spill into other uh, buckets. So with the serratus, there's so many things that you can do for that specific uh, muscle, but at the same time, you're going to influence other things. So this is where exercise selection comes in um, handy, right? So yes, you can do scapular push-ups, but maybe you also need some shoulder stability work that also affects the serratus. So one of my favorite shoulder stability exercises is the kettlebell arm bar. And hell yes, I think when you get someone into a kettlebell arm bar, for sure, you're also stimulating that serratus anterior to function a little bit better. If I get someone breathing in so many different positions, prone, supine, side-lying, bird dog position, dead bug position, hell yes, I'm influencing the serratus anterior. Now, if I have five exercises in my program, say in my warm-up, for example, that will not only influence the serratus anterior, but all the other things it like connects to, then my programming becomes basically bulletproof for the individual, and then that's where you see progression, right? So this is why I really, really enjoy learning about functional anatomy, is that now I can kind of create a better map in my head about my client and what they need and how to improve their performance and movement. So long story short, think of your body as one unit. Think about the one muscle that your physio or chiro said, you need to fire this thing, and think about all the surrounding muscles that it might influence and also attacking those. And that's gonna help you tenfold. All right, that's it for me. I'm gonna stop it there because I feel like I can talk about this forever. Um, definitely check out my Instagram posts and Facebook posts about the serratus anterior because I go a little bit more in depth in it. Um, if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Hit the show notes, add me on Facebook. You guys are amazing. Thank you for the support. Hopefully this quarantine time, COVID crisis thing, wherever you're at, is not too bad and it's been getting better. Stay positive, stay, you know, happy. Hug your wife, friend, dog, unless you're, they're not in your household. <laughs> Maybe get a virtual hug from someone that you miss over Zoom or anything like that. But that's it for me. Thank you guys. You guys are amazing. Till next time.